Hi, this is the Social Jello with Angelo show. My name's Angelo. I'm a social scientist, surfer, martial artist, and a whole lot of other things. Coming to you live from Kasai City, Japan, the Social Jello with Angelo show. What's up? And welcome to part two of the podcast. Part one was listening to Anthony's journey. We talked about his history of martial arts and mixing it up with some Aikido. And this is part two of the podcast. This one's titled Fine Motor Skills versus Gross Motor Skills in Self-Defense. So we're going to get started now with some quick, quick fire questions. I'm joined today by Anthony Mealy. Mealy. I like Mealy because like a Mealy attack, which is very Kajukembo. I'm joined by Kajukembo instructor Anthony Mealy and Diesel coach and Kajukembo instructor Mickey Lopez. What's up, guys? What's up? Thanks for having me. <laughs> so our first question to open it up. What are your thoughts on fine motor skills in martial arts? Like when you see someone saying, oh, I'm going to do this, uh, this finger, this finger lock, and then I'm going to, and I'm going to do this next move. What are your thoughts on fine motor skills when it comes to self-defense, starting with whichever one of you want to start? Anthony, you're first, sir. Oh, me? Um, you know, I don't, I don't know about the distinction. I think, I think of fine versus gross motor skills in the sense that if I'm, if I'm in a situation where it's close, I've got to poke someone's eye. I've got to do something. I've got to do something very specific. Use a, use a, use a powerful weapon, but it might be kind of a, a, a fine motor skill weapon. If I'm, if I've got somebody, I got a hold of them or I'm further away, then I think it's a gross motor skill, but, but I, I don't know. Am I, am I interpreting that right? Is that, am I missing something? No, no, it's, 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 it's whatever your interpretation is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think I do, I do think that there's some, there's some kind of wrist grabs and some manipulations that you can get into that are fine, fine motor skill stuff. Um, but those usually are toward the end of a technique more than they're the main part of a technique. I think um, there's one point about the fine motor skill that I think is in my mind, really important to, to emphasize. And I emphasize it to my students is that most of the, the wrist risk manipulation and wrist lock techniques that we learn were invented against somebody holding a weapon and the leverage you get when someone has a knife or a sword or a gun is incredibly higher than it is when someone's empty handed. So if I go to do a wrist lock on someone and they're not holding anything, they can slip out of it. But they're holding a knife and I grab them the correct way in a wrist lock and I use Kazushi, I kind of throw them off balance at the same time. I can then take that and use that to basically throw them around. And I think that's the intent of some of that stuff. Um, but it's very technical. And I, and I think that if, if the student, if somebody doesn't understand the concept, they can get lost in that technique and then they won't, maybe there are other things they can focus on to defend themselves. All right, Mickey. Well, I feel like in order to get some kind of joint lock, you have to tenderize your opponent, which is you got to cod you tenderize them. And, and I feel <laughs> taking consideration uh, the adrenaline that's going to be happening. They're going to be three times stronger than what you thought. The eye poke can work, 
but they might outweigh you by 230 pounds. They might be on some drugs, whatever it, it right. is. So pulling off a wrist lock on a pissed off uh, individual, I, I think worst case scenario, he's he just got out of jail, whatever, because I work for the sheriff's office. So my right. mindset has changed a lot. And you know what? I got to break some knees. I have to uh, uh, try to poke eyes. And, and you know what? It's if the finger presents itself, would I go for a finger lock? Probably not. I would drop elbows first. I would drop a lot of elbows, a lot of knees. But then again, you know what? Um, I don't see maybe that's where I don't really think about trying to break something. I'm trying to go after knockout points. You know, and if he's still there, then maybe I might have an opportunity if the opportunity presents itself. Um, I don't know if that I'm even answering the question. I just, when you said finger lock, I, I worked out with Professor uh, Grandmaster Wally J, and he was huge on the small circle things. Yeah. Beautiful. But I feel like his students let him do it. You know, and then one of my guys, he's a six eight kickboxer, Eric Coleman, Angelo. Ah, uh, uh, Eric Coleman. Okay. Yeah, for those, for those real quick side note, for, uh, check out the podcast with Eric Coleman. He was also on the Fight Quest TV show, the documentary that was done uh, where they visited the Kaja Kembo School. Eric Coleman's the guy who drop elbowed and also grabbed one of the guys and threw him into a pole. That's that's a, that, that, yeah, 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 yeah. Mickey Lopez was there too. So yeah, if, if, so, something fun to watch for if you want to get into that. Um, check it out on YouTube. You can Google Fight Quest and and see that. Yeah. Uh, so 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 one of the small circle guys. I'm not gonna say no names, but he tried to do it on Eric, and Eric got really pissed off. <laughs> so that's Is if you're gonna try and finger lock a guy, and you know, he doesn't believe in your in in your intent, then you're in a whole lot of doo doo, you know. Yeah. So. That, that's my two cents. Yeah, that's true. So, like, I, I one thing I want to mention is Mickey Mickey likes to send me pictures of UFC fighters after they just won a championship, like the heavyweights. He's like, you see this guy in a bathroom. You know, you just got out of the bathroom in a public bathroom. This guy comes at you. What do you do, Angela? I'm like, why is this guy in the bathroom? <laughs> He's... <laughs> Got a lot of water, Angelo. I mean, what? I mean, what, what, what happened? <laughs> what did just, I do? What did I do to piss him off? Like, <laughs> he just won a UFC championship. Why does he want to fuck me up in the bathroom? Right. Well, <laughs> man, well, you know, Mickey. Yes, sir. Drawing, drawing onto what you're saying, I guess that that kind of ties into what I was trying to say is that it, it if if someone has a weapon. I want to control that weapon. And I know, and I, and actually I'm still working on this in my mind. Cause I see some guys that'll sit, that'll, that'll take the arm that's holding the weapon. And it, it seems to be very easy the way they grab the arm for that person to slip away. It's a very Brazilian jiu-jitsu type of hold that they'll try to do on the arm. And what I prefer to do is wrap that arm in a lock and then grab the wrist and then control that weapon but because the person's holding a weapon, the lever is 10 times stronger than it is trying to do a wrist technique on someone not holding anything. But, but that's where Kazushi is so important, where the, the off-balancing is so important. Because anything I do, if it's not to the point where I'm ready to throw somebody like a judo throw, 
then I don't think it's going to work. So that's, but I, that's where I'm focused on is like, if someone has a weapon, how do you tenderize them quickly and then get that control? And it's funny that you mentioned this, this Kazushi off balancing thing. Cause I, I just listened to, um, I just listened. I, 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 I'm going to keep, I keep throwing out Stefan Kesting's name, but he does, he, he does a lot of, instructionals for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, which is why I'm mentioning him. The, the BJJ world knows about him. And they actually, just, he just did an intensive series on what you're talking about uh, called the Grip Fighting and Kazushi Formula uh, created by Rob Bernaki. And mm. he got together in just a series of sweeps and most and drills that work on what you're talking about, off balancing your opponent and setting up sweeps and setting up uh, position changes and submissions. So there is there's something really big there, but that's coming from judo, right? That's not coming from Aikido. Well, well, but I, and Mike, I categorize when, when Mickey says tenderize, that's, that's Kazushi. Oh, okay. you, you, you need somebody, you kick them in the, in the, in the testicles or you poke them in the eye. That's Kazushi. Cause if you want to, you want to off balance somebody, you know, you do those things to them. And uh, grandmaster, senior grandmaster Kinji has a story where one of the, one of the other guys that were there at the demonstration was a Samoan guy. And he had to do the technique on him. So he kicked him in the nuts first. And all of a sudden the technique worked really well. He's like, I'm not going to be embarrassed. So that I cat I put that in the category of Kazushi because even though judo doesn't have strikes, technically speaking, the strikes are part of the curriculum. Same thing with Aikido. All the Timiaza are part of Aikido, but they just don't do it. And I think um, even if you're in a judo match, there are things you could do that are like a strike. You could take, no one's going to know when you put your fingers behind their collarbone and all of a sudden you get the off balancing, you need to do a throw. You know, there are a lot of things that people do in judo that, you know, where you grind your, your knuckles into the, into the chest or, so I think that's when I say Kazushi, I'm trying to, I'm pulling from different arts, but, it, but it's at one point in time, they're still all, they're all fighting. You know, they're all doing the same thing, I think. And I, that's my, but I'm thinking along, but, I, but in terms of the, the wrist stuff, it seems to me to be critical if someone has a weapon. Because I don't like, I don't like plain, plain wrestling and plain BJJ where they just grab the arm and they just grab it behind the elbow. And I'm thinking if I had a knife, I would, I'd use my hips. I'd be able to pull right out of that and then cut the person up. But I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm still trying to work it out. Cause a lot of people are teaching different, different things on this stuff. And I, that's my, that's where my head's at on it. You know what? There was a big discussion on um, knife disarms uh, from this guy. And it was on one on one of the forums. And he was saying that how, you know, Filipino martial arts has one of the stupid disarms. Well, you know what? If someone pulls a blade on me and he has intent, I know it's in, going to be impossible for me to control that blade because it's already in motion. Now, uh, that's a late phase, right? Now, did I see it coming out? Maybe I had mm. a chance. Now, let's say I get a hold of the knife, and I, I totally agree, Anthony, is I didn't take his mind away from that, 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 the fangs of his, you know, mm -hmm. his hand, you know? But, man, um, that's not a good day. You know, if, if I'm going to run... Yeah, Dude, I'm, I'm totally. Be, yeah, that's can, most important. <laughs> you know, if I can find an improvised weapon, right. trust me, 
I'll totally do it. Agreed. But uh, you, you know, I love practicing the art, and I have my uh, my training partners come at me, and a hundred. I put the gear on, and there's only one way to find out. It is lab it, and guess what? It, I get stabbed all the time. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Sometimes I get stabbed, and I'll punch him. But guess what? He's still stabbing me at the end. So you know, and, and that's what I want from my training partners is there's no guesswork, man. You're either gonna get stabbed, or you're gonna get stabbed a little bit. So right. honestly, or I can be like, hey, you know, when the big UFC guy comes out, maybe we could talk about this, Angelo, and say, hey, look, <laughs> I don't want any trouble. You know, some verbal judo action, yes. something. Yeah, you, you just want a championship. What do you want? <laughs> 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 don't, don't waste all your fight Some, money on a lawsuit with me. <laughs> yeah. they, they, want, they want a piece of Angelo, man. They want to get on your show. That's all. Uh, convince them to kick your shin and then maybe you'll break his ankle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so my next question is, you know, obviously setting is setting is key. When you're training someone, how do you approach someone who is a fighter who wants to fight um, either professionally or not professionally for a tournament? And how do you approach someone who just wants to come in that uh, maybe uh, going off of a, a podcast I did with Mickey recently, who's a senior citizen, who is watching all these videos of, of senior citizens getting beat up and they're kind of worried. So they're coming in to do like a self-defense thing. How do you approach what's what's the difference in approaches between these two people? Is there a difference? Go ahead, whoever's ready. <laughs> uh, Anthony, you first, sir. Anthony. Do you, are you saying that the, the person that, that I'm being threatened by is a senior citizen versus no, the, the, the person you're training? The person I'm training. Oh, okay. So the person I'm training. So if if it's the person I'm training and they're a senior citizen, what I'm trying to do is see personally and get them to realize their strengths because some senior citizens are former athletes. Some senior citizens have a natural ability to do, they have their strengths, they have them. And, and then, so I try to get them to, to realize it and see it. And then, um, and then I, and then I pull out all the tools and, um, and there are a lot of very, very potent tools. Um, but Focusing on things like Mickey's saying, I mean, you, you know, it's keeping that distance, um, getting away if you can get away, um, being very aware of your your limited cardio, your limited ability to keep going. Um, you know, what what can what can you do and what should you do to, to disable the person? Um, verbal judo obviously is you know the older guys are going to be better at that, um, but I think. Uh, I, I think there's this kind of can-do attitude that um, I want to instill in my students, no matter who they are, whether they're, you know, a 90, 110-pound girl or um, or a senior citizen or somebody who's athletic. Mickey. Okay, so I, I get I, this is a great question because right now I, I have um, a few amateurs that I'm training. And the attributes are way different, obviously. Um, and I know we had this conversation on our last uh, um, social jello. So I treat them different. I treat all my clients different because everyone has their strengths and everyone has their weaknesses. So, for example, let's take my dad. He's overweight. He's diabetic. 
you know, um, you know what I would do? I would walk up to him and push him, test his balance, you know, see, you know, how he would react. And, and, you know, and just be like, I wouldn't treat him like uh, my, my 21 year old fighter because he's not going to move like that. So um, a lot of the, the uh, assaults have been ambushes. So that's what I would pre prepare my, my father for. You know, he's in his seventies. He's not going to single leg, double leg. He's not going to jump guard, you know, um, can his goal will be to escape or hopefully have some kind of improvised weapon. Um, and that'd be the biggest thing. Um, you know, I, I think it's a shock to the system for a lot of these older folks that are getting assaulted because they're, they're just not mentally ready. They're, they're shutting their nervous systems getting shut down. They might even have a heart attack, you know, even before they hit the ground or something. So now, as far as my younger fighters or my, 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 my amateur fighters, you know what? I train them to read, to, to look at body language, to, to, uh, uh, to look at your opponent and see what openings they have, you know? Um, but, but to be in the moment too, just like my dad, I mean, any, anybody, you got to be in that moment. It's a second to second move, you know, now this, Teaching my dad is going to take some time. It's not going to come overnight. Um, you know, even getting out of the car. What if they, you know, whatever. We don't, they don't, I seen that today. He, old man was getting out of his car. That They got him, you know, his, he wasn't checking his 12, 6, 9, and 3 o'clock. You know, um, I would just, you know, hand on the phone. You know, if, if you feel like something's going on, don't go there. But, you know. The elderly are hard-headed. They're going to do what the F they want to do, right? Real talk. And yeah. like I tell my fighters, I go, if I don't have your ear, go find another coach. So it's hard love with both sides. You don't want to hear pops or mom, then it is what it is. But I'll go up from and I'll, you know, I'll grab them and see how they react. And, and that's what it's about. Uh, a lot Again, you know, if we're looking at all the assaults, there have been – pushes from the back there have been you know you're standing in front of your garage he comes he's coming at you like a football player you know mm -hmm. how do you prepare for that yeah what you i mean it's just you just can't you just can't move it happens like that yeah you know and and that's what makes me really angelo you know that pisses me off <laughs> yeah. don't get me started but all i'm saying is my dad's not gonna double leg anybody He's not. And if he does, well, then he never, he's been holding out for me for hella years. <laughs> <laughs> so, so guys, elderly awareness, my fighters keep it really basic and simple. Do what works, you know? So I don't know if that answered it. I think that answered your question. Yeah. Yeah. That definitely did answer my question. So my next question on the, on the board here. So we are going to come back to this. What are your thoughts I'm going to keep, I guess I have to call beating the dead horse part three. Um, what are your thoughts about Aikido in, in, in modern com in modern combat? Anthony, you first, sir. All right. I, I think the, when I think of Aikido, I, I go to someone like Danny, Danny Nosanto. And I, and I go to like what he teaches for night defense. And, and he talks about if someone's coming at you, they grab you, 
you're in a d- difficult situation. They got their knife. They're going to do a sewing machine stab. And he's like, stick your hand up in that, get your hand up in that armpit because you know where that is. You can't find that knife. It's coming at you. Get up in the armpit, hold the person back. And that's what I, that's how I translate into Aikido. Aikido, this stuff, you know, this is all, all Aikido is a lot of what they do is based on the sword stuff. And one of the things you practice with Aikido is someone's coming at you with a sword and you practice coming offline and grabbing the hand that's holding the sword with that hand. And that's what you practice. And then they do a technique against that. So I think that in context with certain types of weapon issues, and it could be, you could translate into someone holding a gun, or if you're the one holding a gun, you could do some great stuff with Aikido. Another thing that's good about Aikido is if I have a loved one and, and I come up to a situation and a loved one, someone's got a weapon to them or someone's grabbed them and holding them, and I'm able to come behind the person, I could use Aikido techniques and do a throw on that person and they'll never get up again. But can I face-to-face do an Aikido technique against somebody who knows how to grapple or fight? Probably wouldn't work. So um, that's my translation of Aikido. Mickey? Right. So let's let's go back in time. My only exposure to Aikido was good old Steven Seagal. Now, and I loved because his Aikido was a lot different than everyone else's Aikido. So really, you know what, if you are going to study Aikido, it's really the practitioner, you know, and his mindset and how he uses it. Um, now, I like Aikido for its fluidity because I can translate to FMA. Um, like Guru Dan, I'm, hey, Guru Dan can make, he can train with the founder and make one of those techniques work. If I can take one, the essence of every art, like Aikido, mm-hmm. I'd probably take a little bit of the footwork. I would. I love the clothesline. You know, right. I love. Th- there's, you know, they're fluid and they're relaxed. You know, and 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 it's beautiful to watch. But again, my if I studied it, I know my Aikido would be way different. It wouldn't be. I would definitely add some strikes to my Aikido again. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, uh, could it work? Of course. Um, could could you could you use pure aikido against someone that's intent on stabbing your your freaking liver? No, maybe I don't know. So so it's all situational, right? Yeah. Um, but I think again, it depends on Anthony. Depends on Angelo. It depends on. Do you understand its principles? Yeah. And if you can understand Aikido, say, yeah, I, that was an Aikido move. Or the foot sweeps. I've been training Muay Thai again. And I don't care what – is it from Muay Thai? Is it from Judo? Is it from Kaju? Damn, it's a foot sweep. Everyone right. has a foot sweep. Now, Aikido has some foot sweeps because you see that little – the little uh, the, uh, the oh, I forgot how you say his name, but he's flipping fools. But again – I mean, it's really like, wow, until you get someone that says, no, you're not going to do that to me. You know, so, but again, have- uh, again if, if I believe in my heart that Aikido is the best thing since sliced bread, then I'll make, then whatever, until you beat me up and make me realize it ain't good, then I'm, I'm going to do it. There's a, 
there's a technique we used to work on with the Ikikai guys, the ones near here, near Boston, where a guy's coming at you with, with a punch or a weapon and you grab that arm and you, you basically take it and you drop, you drop to your knee and you push the person on their hip. And just because of their momentum, they fly. So there's, if someone, if someone comes at you and they commit a little too much, there's some great things. Another thing is, someone comes at you, you know, you, if you can catch that elbow and pop it up, you go underneath the elbow and now you're behind them. And now if you're dealing with more than one fighter, you can see anybody else coming at you. Right. So there's some things you could do. Like, I think I was telling Angelo this before I Aikido does not spar, but they do drills and you do them over and over and over again. And if you can, you can understand where to apply some of those things, you could do some really cool stuff. But it's it's not it's not magic. It's it's really like everything else we do. It's it's continuation of it, I think. And I think anyone watching this, <clears throat> if you especially if you're not a martial artist, which I'm I'm I'm, I'm kind of surprised you've been watching it this long if you're not a martial artist because <laughs> this is mostly shop talk. But um, for them, I think what happens is they get lost. They forget that as martial artists. If depending on what, what kind of martial art, artist you are, I, I'm a modern combat martial artist. That's what I am. Um, Kaju Kembo is a modern hybrid martial art. That's what it really is. So I've, that's that's the whole reason I got into Kaju Kembo. That's why I continue to do Kaju Kembo. That's why I continue to move forward with my personal Kaju Kembo. I, I view it as a modern martial art. And why do I keep saying modern? Because there's a difference between saying I want to study a martial art to make it mostly effective, most as, as effective as possible against a world that is consistently evolving, technology is evolving, weapons are evolving, the way we fight each other is evolving. The, you go back 20 years, people were not double leg takedowning anyone on the street, but you go to now, and you you know uh, I've heard people talk about accounts of homeless people on the street doing guillotines, putting people in clothes guard, stuff you wouldn't see 20 years ago because you know, the UFC putting this on TV. So because of that, we, me personally, I'm always evolving with that. So my, my applications when I'm looking at something is, okay, how can I make it work right now? I don't really care about the background, but because also Kaju Kembo is a little different from an MMA school because an MMA school would only focus on that one concept. How can I evolve? How can I be most effective right now? And I don't care where it came from. I don't care about its history. I don't care about anything else. I just care about this moment. While Kaju Kembo does like to give a little more uh, attention to the history behind the acronym of Kog for karate, Ju for jujitsu, Judo, Ken for Kempo, Kung Fu, and Bo for kickboxing. And the Bo for kickboxing is the modern part. But that other part of the acronym is just kind of teaches us that there's this whole history of martial arts. And when you start looking at the history of martial arts, now you're kind of looking at it more like from a historian or a curator, this, uh, I keep saying, I have to give him credit. I didn't come up with this. Stefan Kesting talks about a curator. He has this example where you're like a curator. When you start doing something like Aikido or you start doing something like traditional Chao Fa Kung Fu or whatever style you're doing, Shaolin Kung Fu, you're no longer really talking about the modern application. You're talking about continuing this, this like curation of how it was taught back then and continuing that into the future, which is a completely different goal completely different goal than coming at well, it from a modern combat sport. There's a, there's a marketability issue too, which is 
in order, and I, I'm, I see some, not all, but just a few Brazilian jiu-jitsu people doing this. I see some crowd Maga people doing this. How do you make it marketable? How do we make this a specific style that's no, not like anything else? So then they start pairing some things away. Same thing with judo. Judo used to do this, the single and double leg takedowns, and you cannot, some places still teach them, but you can't do them in a competition anymore because they didn't want to look like the, the wrestlers. So they took it out of the Olympics. So, so, so people are, want, they want their art to be pure. They want it to be different than everybody else. They want to be able to say it's better. And if it looks like what other people are doing, then they can't be different, right? So, you know, you know what, guys, we can only, our bodies can only move so many ways, right? I mean, um, there's always going to be that, um, that one guy has this one technique that he does that he can only pull off. You know what I'm talking about, Angelo? Um, that, that if you like, if like you see a tornado and I seen it first, you name, you know what I'm saying? You name it after it'd be called the Anthony lock or something like that. Right. <laughs> but my point, my point is, is that wherever it's come from, you know, and, and back in 1947, I'm sure Kaju's evolved just a little bit, you, you know, but now here's another thing. Hey, Anthony flashback 20 years. How was your martial arts back then? You know? Now, as I'm getting older, I'm like, whoa, hey, uh, I can't, I don't like kicking highs. So right now I've been focusing mm -hmm. on going back to just keeping it simple. Right. I can't do things. Well, I still got a little bit of gas tank left, but I can't explode like I want to anymore. You know, so right. the, the, the Kaju Ken was always evolving every second. Every yeah. second, it's evolving. I might be having a bad day. I'm I'm tired. We gotta, you know, whatever. Yeah. So it becomes that mentality of, uh, all right. Well, you know, or my shoulders hurt because I do a lot of pad work. I uh, I gotta use my other hand now. Yeah. Kind of work technique, you know. So, what the heck was my point, Angelo? What'd you say? <laughs> no, I was, I was, that actually wasn't a question on this one. I was just I was just talking about the difference between a curator. Uh, of martial arts where you're, you're starting a traditional martial art to pass on the history of a culture yeah. and, a, and a and a style as opposed to i want to do modern combat i just want to fight and i want to fight as, however i can and whatever whatever works for right now I, I want to fight guys that are trying to double leg take do a double leg takedown or a single leg takedown on me tomorrow not not they're coming at me with a with a with a samurai sword because no one's coming at me with a samurai sword. So like that's the difference in mentality. Now if you yeah. want to play that though, that's cool. And uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu has the same thing. They playing you're playing half guard. Why do they say playing half guard? Because originally Brazilian jiu-jitsu did not use half guard. They they didn't even call it half guard. There was no name for it. Somewhere along the line, someone used half guard and they said, oh. And it was the one who really got it going was Eddie Bravo. When 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 Eddie Bravo was able to take out uh, Gracie mm. and, and beat him into a triangle, he held on to that 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 one move that they said was not effective. Um, he used it and he kept him there, tired him out, and eventually got the triangle right. But they said it wasn't. A, there was no name for it. And what is that? What is that? That's the half guard system. No one even oh, knew. Rubber it, guard. Right? He calls it the rubber guard, right? Yeah, no, yeah. Now, then he started giving it other names and the boom basket oh, yeah. guard and the, the double X into the into the <laughs> well, you know what? It's all marketing. You know what? And again, if I can get you to believe 
that my jujitsu is from the 10th planet and I have people that are winning and you see it, guess mm. what? You're drawing into that. Well, yeah. I want that, you know, but, you know, all Eddie Bravo is doing, he, he's being super creative. He's he being super innovative. That's all he's doing. And, and, and hey, bro, props to him, man. You know, and, and him and him and all those, those 10th planet guys are amazing. Yeah, there's you know? something else. Well, and, and Eddie Bravo, he's, he's said a lot of good things about Kaju Kembo. And, yes. and I know a guy that, the Springfield, Massachusetts, that helps some, train some of his guys out in the ten, one of the 10th planet locations out there. So I think, he, I think he's grounded from what I can tell. And, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, I think there's, there's, there's clearly some, I still have some questions in my head. Like when, when we talk about doing Kaju Kembo um, and we, we compare ourselves against Chuck Norris and, and some of the other martial artists that do, you know, that do a lot of striking, but do other stuff too. Um, you know, are we really, you know, where, why are we different and where are we different? And, and when Brazilian Jiu Jitsu says it's different than Judo, I'm like, yeah, in competition, Judo does a lot more stand up, but all the curriculum is there. And if you, if you want to prevent someone from getting a hold down points on a hold down or winning a match, you, you, you put, you get them in half guard and now they can't get, they can't get a hold down on you. So, um, so some of the stuff is, some of the stuff has still been around. I think that's kind of what you're getting at Mickey. But I, I also think that if you look, go back to the forties in Hawaii, the whole point of Kaju Kembo was, dude, what do we do if, if some military guys want to fight with us and, and they're good at boxing, you know, um, you know, boxing, wait a minute, Western boxing is a little bit better than some of the, some of the Kung Fu stuff, you know, so it's working a little bit better for me. Why don't we incorporate that? Or what do we do if we have to run, we run into a Samoan guy, what do we do if we run into one of the judo guys, you know, and he grabs us and he throws us and we, we never get back up until, until tomorrow, you know, that's the whole point, you know, like, like, anything goes anything could happen what do we do you know and i think that's the point is that you have to be realistic it doesn't matter whose style is better if someone's better we take it right absolutely you, you know what um anthony that's a great point i'm glad you said that because there is a technique in jujitsu gracie jujitsu called the kimura right so Elia was like yeah i'll you know i'll challenge kimura he's a judoka right am right. i wrong actually now, uh, I think you're right about that. And there's even more history about how the Kimura may have actually come originally from, from catch wrestling, but, but continue. But basically, so we both knew jujitsu. I'm a, you know, and if we're both black belts and you outweigh me by 250 pounds, guess what? I don't care how much technique I know, you're going to win. And obviously he Kimura Ilio. Yeah, the fight went longer than it lasted. But, you know, guess what? When you don't win, you learn. So, and then Elio ended up developing his, like, leverage and, you know, mm -hmm. the weaker man. But guess what? That's what I'm saying is if we both have the same knowledge and you're bigger than me, I'm going to have a harder time. All you right. Know? So I found it, man. Yeah. So here's the whole thing. And this is, this is what I heard, too. And this is really important to mention about the Kimura arm lock. So, yes... Masahiko Kimura was a Japanese judoka, but he was also a professional wrestler. 
Mm. And that entire the whole idea of the Kimura system um, was started by him because of what he, you know, because of what he did, right? He got that famous victory over Helio Gracie, um, oh. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. He got it, he got that, right? He will he he what he beat him with it. And people were like, oh, it's the Kimura arm lock. And they gave it because Brazilian jiu-jitsu at that point in time didn't have it in their system. They were born off of judo. And he was coming at it from a professional wrestling standpoint, which is actually catch wrestling, going back to Carl Gotch. Catch is catch, ritual is cat and catch wrestling. So the idea of no gi, grabbing big, growing back to our gross motor skills, fine motor skills, gross motor skills of grabbing the entire arm rather than grabbing the gi or trying to get some sort of submission there, they like to do more body locks because they're usually no shirt, they're shirtless, right? And they're, they're working stuff for pro wrestling. So like, again, he didn't care whether it came from pro wrestling or judo. He just knew it was going to work and it did. And he, and, and he was a big guy. He's yoked, man. Here, let me, let me show you this. Like people don't know. People, he's yoked. The guy is a whole lot of sushi. Yoked. Look at Look at this guy. <laughs> look at this guy, man. He's yoked. Look at this guy, bro. He he's like the guy that you keep sending me pictures of. Like, what do you do if you see him in the in the bathroom? Because <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that guy's big. No so, neck, no neck at all. Yeah, yeah. big guy. You know, um, but but that's what I'm saying. You know, like oh, the the the, the Brazilians didn't like footlocks because they said that was cheating. Really? It's not cheating. If I can footlock you. That's a weakness in your system, you know? And then, look. Now they're doing a lot. They, they, I mean, hey, that's a, that's, you got to figure that out. That's a part of the, the Rubik's Cube that you got to figure out with those footlocks. Um, now a lot of more Brazilian jiu-jitsu guys are starting to work on those knee bars and footlocks. And then you have um, Khabib. He just retired, you know. How do you deal with the, a guy like that? His oh, pressure. my God, huh? His leg wrap thing that he does. Hey, you know, and that's what I'm saying. He's fought strikers, kickers, Brazilian jiu-jitsu guys. And all he did was use his pressure wrestling, whatever he calls it, Sambo, whatever. That's freaking wrestling, bro. His top pressure is crazy. Mm. How do you, that's what I'm saying. That's an attribute. That's a skill that you, you don't learn that. That's one of the gifted, like Michael Jordan, no, you're not going to play like Michael Jordan. I'm sorry. LeBron, right. whatever, all those guys, you're not Michael. Right. He has certain attributes. What are your attributes? You can mimic. You can Lomachenko. You can Khabib. You can Roy Jones. But who the hell are you? Where am I going with this, Angelo? I'm going off on a tangent. You're, you're, no, no, you're, you're going off of the individual attributes and how we adapt that, right? So kind of wrapping up, wrapping up the podcast, um, if I if I get if I'm getting these these messages clearly, it's not really about a fine motor skills versus gross motor skills, as much as, as it is um, how gross motor skills are easier to use in the beginning, tenderizing, as as Mickey put it, and um, and then uh, the oh come on I really, Kazushi? the Kazushi? Kazushi right Kazushi as Anthony was putting it um, putting someone off balance right that's your gross motor skills. And then if the opportunity for a fine motor skill comes up, why not take it? But at that moment in time, going back to what I said, you might not be thinking about any of that. I, I think I might have said in the previous podcast, I'm not thinking I'm going to do A, B, or C. 
I'm just saying what opportunity is shown to me. I'm going to follow that and go into what Mickey said. I'm going to be using my attributes, whatever attributes I know I have. So, yeah, I think that's, that's a good wrap guys. Any, anything, anything, any final words? You know what, going back uh, when I first started the martial arts, I'm glad I, I went the, the history route. I want to know where my roots are because if I was just, you know, going to an MMA gym, um, and, and I'm going to say this from my heart, and I hope someone that's watching this later on takes it with a grain of salt. I am a traditional martial artist. I am also a open-minded martial arts, but when I go into these MMA gyms, man, bro, they have a lot missing. As far as like, they're stuck in their tunnel, dude. And they're, and I'm just like, man, I, I don't know. I kind of giggled because I was, I was, you know, I'm like, I go in there because I want to be a student again. And they try to clinch it with me. And they're trying to, like, they try to muscle you, bro. And I'm like, that's not. And then the minute I start, they feel my energy. They go, hey, well, have you trained before? I'm like, nah. Just, you know. Uh, <laughs> you know, but it, it's, it's, I'm just happy that my roots are strong and that I've been in that neighborhood. And I think that's why, to me, learning Kaju and then my instructor saying, go out and learn you know, and bring it back to me. That right there forever changed me. And now I can go to other gyms because like you said, Angelo, it's all concepts and attributes. And okay, if he, I haven't seen anything different. It's just, I look at the mentality of the coach and I show what they're showing me now. It, it's cool, bro. I love it. But man, there's, uh, there's students, their, their energy is different. There's a lot missing there. So, yeah, Anthony, man. Anthony, final words. Well, I, I think it. I think this ties into what Mickey's saying. And when I when I did Aikido back in early '90s, I there's this drill that that they were doing, and and they don't do this drill the same way in Aikikai up in Boston. But you, you get on your knees, you get in a sage the station position. Is that what? Say, uh, I mean, Seiza, yeah. Seiza, 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 yeah. Seiza. And it, it hurts me. It hurts me. I have, I have, I don't have flexibility in my ankles or whatever. So I, I'm getting in this position and I'm like, I'm 170 pounds, 20 years old, 21 years old. And I'm going against this 40 year old woman who's half my size. She's kneeling right in front of me. And we're supposed to do this, this thing where you, you, you grab each other's arms like this. Right. And you, and then you try to sense each other's key and then throw the person. And as soon as she sensed me going a certain way or tensing up, whatever, she'd throw me every time. And it was like, it was like, and I, that was that kid, that mentality. There was something missing. I didn't get it. You know what I mean? It was that, that I can, I can use my power against her. And so, you know, there's something that you learn as you get older that you always, you kind of keep with you. And, um, and if you, Martial arts is more than, okay, I just do some boxing. I just do some white tie and I just throw some, some stuff together and I can do MMA. It's more to, there's more to it than that. There's some, there's some, something to it that it's an art. It's a little bit more sophisticated than that. I think. 
Um, so there it is. Keep practicing. Don't narrow down your vision to one thing. That, that I think that's that that's a good that's a good thing to keep in mind in whoever whatever art that you're training and keep your mind open and don't don't just narrow down to that one thing or or do if that's what you like to do then just know that you're that's fair. you're going towards a curator route like we talked about earlier like you want to try to preserve something that's it's just a different philosophy well i want to thank anthony and mickey for coming on the show i really appreciate it for my listeners listening to this uh on itunes or whatever internet radio station thank you for listening to Social Jello with Angelo. Please jump on YouTube and subscribe. Google Social Jello with Angelo. For those of you watching on YouTube, thank you very much. Smash that like button. Smash that subscribe button. I hate saying it, but it does help me. So please do. And I'll catch you all next time. Peace. Thanks, guys.